0: life. And now for our speaker. Hallelujah! He is risen! You can feel the excitement in the air. Our dreams have come true. Our doubts have been answered. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Sure, there, there was a time when when I saw him on that cross and I wondered, even questioned if I had actually been following the Messiah or just another prophet. I have seen Jesus perform many miracles in the time that I followed him, but but never like what I just saw. I watched him die. I saw his body grow lifeless on the cross. I saw when they, they took him down and they, and they placed him in a tomb, sealed and, and guarded by Rome, the Sunday came and everything changed. The doubts that we had on Saturday were replaced with the hope that we found on Sunday. Hallelujah, he is risen. He is not dead but alive. Do you know what this means? This means that everything he ever said is true. He has the authority to not only say it, but then to do it. Destroy this temple, Jesus said. And I will raise it up again in three days. And so Jesus then gathered the remaining 11 of us. For Judas had succumbed to his guilt. And when we saw him, when we saw Jesus, we did something that, that we never thought that we would be able to do ever again in his presence. We worshiped him, we fell to our knees. He is alive, he's before us. How can this be? Not all believed, though. Some of us even doubted. Even after when we saw with our own eyes. That didn't matter. Because Jesus loved us all the same. And with all of us gathered on the mountain, Jesus told us all, all authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always To the very end of the age. And that was the moment. That was the very moment. The moment that we realized why Jesus, the Messiah, came to this earth to die. The moment we understood every lesson that he ever taught us. The moment we saw with our own eyes. What every miracle he ever performed pointed to the moment that we realized that the course of our lives just changed forever. What moment, you may be asking, the moment we realized that we weren't at the end of the story, but at the beginning. The great commission. Father, we just pray now that as we dive into your word, into your scripture, that your words come to life off the pages, not as black and white, but as, as writing onto our hearts. Father, I pray right now that only your word be spoken, be presented, be dissected and understood only Not so that we could be smarter, but that we could follow you better. And so, Father, this is our prayer today. Please, Lord, have your spirit move. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, guys look great. You look good. You look like Easter people. Yeah, you look like you, you believe that the Messiah has come and that he's been risen from the dead. You see, where we pick up in our story is, is that the disciples were at a crossroads. That's where we kind of begin. Jesus has risen. Now what? What do we do with that? So you and I today, we receive this story differently than they did on that day. You and I have the fortune of having this story passed down from generation to generation. It was told to me as a young child, as soon as I could comprehend stories from my mother. And my mother made sure I knew Jesus. I know she's watching, and I love you, Mom. You see, Jesus' story has survived all of these years. Thousands of years, his story has. The story of Jesus did not die out after the first generation that told it. It is still alive. It is still here. We are still gathering because of it. And even COVID couldn't take that away from us that we still gather even virtually because of it, of the story of Jesus. Why? Why has it survived all these years? Why hasn't it fizzled out like many stories from the past? Well, Jesus answers that question for us, actually. He says in Matthew chapter 25, He says, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. And it was there, on that mountain, when Jesus gathered the remaining disciples to tell them what the next chapter in this story was going to be. And the answer to that question, Jesus is risen, now what, is given an answer. And it's given to us through what we call today the Great Commission. You and I play a piece in the Jesus story. Now, a commission, let's talk about that. We know that word pretty well in this organization, actually. A commission, what it is, is it's an instruction. It's It's a command or a duty that's been given to a person or to a group of people, maybe to a class. It's a commit, it is kind of a, a, a sending out, if you will. However, it's not just a blind send out. Not just a, all right, you look good. All right, go on now. No, there is actually instruction that goes with it. There is an expectation. There's a bar that's set. And then we all agree to this bar and say, now, go. A commission. And within our Organization, We're actually going to have one of those in just a few short weeks with the commissioning of the new session of cadets that are going to be happening. They, on that day, on Sunday morning, they will receive their rank, they'll receive their command, their duty, and then they will be also receiving the backing of the organization to wherever they may go. I remember mine well. I was 24 years old. I was young. I was nervous. I was scared. And standing that day in June 2010, June 6, 2010, standing before the thousands of people who were in that room for that moment, for that celebration, I felt the weight of what I was about to get myself into. My heart was pounding. Much like it does every Sunday morning, still today. (laughs) But my heart was pounding. And when it was my turn, and I was standing there in my cadet's uniform, about to take the stage, and the territorial commander, Commissioner Max Feener, turned to me and said, Cadet Paul Ryerson, I now ordain you as a minister of the gospel and commission you with the rank of lieutenant. There's a young looking lad and me. He wasn't kidding either. Uh, This is actually the picture of me receiving my very first appointment, which was to be 1,500 miles from Atlanta to El Paso, Texas. It took me three days to get there and two time zones. And Commissioner, I enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you for having the trust in me to go there. Well, that was a good appointment, wasn't it? Yeah. It was out there. Actually, now that I have your attention, Commissioner. <laughs> who would have thought I would have been on this side of things? you know? Is there a way we can move camp any closer? Maybe relocate it. Actually, if it, the Texas Divisional Commander, if you're here, if you're listening now, twelve hours is a long drive for camp. Well, all kidding aside, that is the place where we learn what it meant to be an officer. And so well now, once a commission is received, once we get it and we're sent out, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? The Great Commission itself gives us the answer to what do we do with the Great Commission. So Jesus, he starts by saying, he has the disciples all gathered together on that mountain. And the first thing he tells them is all authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so the first and perhaps the most important thing to remember is that we, the church, you and I, we are not Jesus Christ. We are not Him. We are not the Messiah. We cannot save you. We cannot cleanse you. You and I do not have the authority of heaven and earth. It is not our place to pretend or to act like we are the authority of Christianity. For Jesus alone is that. I assure you, we have a place. Oh, it's coming. We're not letting you off the hook just yet. But the authority of our faith doesn't come from you and me. But it comes from him. That I have the authority of all of of heaven and earth has been given to me. And when we are sent out, we are not sent out by man's authority. We are not even sent out with the army's authority. Now for us officers our ordination and commission may come from the army, and for us soldiers, our commission may come from our corps officer, but the authority to do it comes from Christ alone. For without him, guess what? There is no Salvation Army. There isn't. And I'm going to tell you now is that we're not playing house. We're not pretending to put uniforms on just because, well, it's easier to wear that than pick out what I'm going to wear today. You laugh because you know it's true. (laughs) But we're not playing house. We're not a pretend army. We're not a fake army. We're the real deal. This is the real deal. I remember sitting in training as a cadet and my training principal standing there in the chapel and telling us that when you get out into the field, people are gonna try to convince you time and time again that you are a part of a fake and unreal army. And his response was, The day you convince me that we're an unreal army is when you convince me we're in an unreal battle. We are the army of salvation. Amen. This is our calling. If we do this in the authority of Jesus Christ, we go in His name, with His power, with His reputation. And how do we know, how do we know that Jesus has this authority? By his words alone? No. But by the empty tomb. His authority over death isn't just for him, but it's for you and for me, too. This is the key that His resurrection, the empty tomb, isn't for us to just admire what He can do. But he did it for you. Because you see now, his authority over death allows you and me to look death straight in the face and say, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? And the church, my friend, stands on the authority of Jesus. Don't forget that. And it's not my authority. I may get to pick the color of the carpet and stuff like that. But it's not my authority that the church stands on. So he continues telling the disciples on the mountain. He says, I have the authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so, what do we do with this authority that Christ has, so, uh, has said he has and that he's sending us out with? What do we do with it? We go. That's what we do. What are we going to do? Make disciples. That's what we're going to do. Now, this is an interesting concept, making disciples. Actually, it's a very interesting concept in the actual Great Commission itself. Especially when you take the entire Great Commission and you look at it in Greek. And so, in Greek, when you look at that sentence, in the act, this particular sentence, this sentence takes on a little different sentence structure than what we do in English. In English, we write, go make disciples. That's what we write, go make disciples. In Greek, the word make is isn't there. It's not in the sentence. The Greek word for disciple in this instance acts as both the verb and the noun in the sentence. So this clarifies actually what we are, what it is we're supposed to do. We are to, as the Greek would say, simply go disciple. Go disciple. We're not actually commanded to make anything to construct or or to put the authority in our hands to say i made that i made that disciple look at me i can make more if i need to but no the, the great commission doesn't give the power to us it keeps it the first sentence says the authority is in him he has the authority and so he says all the authority is in me now go disciple go disciple And discipling isn't an outcome. It isn't just a statistical line. It is rather a relational process with our brothers and sisters. This is discipleship. The Greek grammar, actually, is not telling us to to make this object. And also in Greek, the word go, referenced here in this particular sentence, is not used to describe leaving. To actually abandon and go forth is not what this Greek word is referring to, but instead it is referring to go in your daily life. Among your daily life. So, among your daily life, disciple. Disciple. That's what he's really saying. So, you're not not, not going on a trip, but among your life, go disciple. But I'm not in full-time ministry. Captain, that's not, my, that's not my calling. I didn't sign up to be sent out to the world and to do these things. Perfect. Because your neighbor next door is needing someone to love them. Perfect. And I think Jesus had that in mind when he said these words. Now, the word following in this sentence is baptize. And when you look at that word in, in, in Greek and you break down the meaning behind that, Actually, in the Great Commission, this is an action word that is a part of the discipleship process that Jesus is commanding out. He is saying, when you break this down, he's saying, go and stay by their side. Go stay by their side. It's common practice that when we go and baptize, when you have a water baptism, that that usually you may have someone that has sponsored you or or, or maybe discipled you through the process. Sometimes it may even go out into the water with you as the pastor baptizes you and you may stand there before. I'm right beside you. I'm right here. You're not abandoned. We are not called to take people to the edge of the water and then we abandon them when we realize they can't swim. We are to stand by them. To go and baptize. Stand by. And when you're discipling, there's, there's, there's this, this word. And, and, and in Greek, it has a has a sense of urgency to it. Like an urgent move to, to do this now. Don't wait, but do it now. Because the, the word baptize here is an action word to go. And it's a common practice. Very common, as I said. That, that you would baptize an individual as quick as you could. So that way they can feel the commitment of the Spirit. And so discipleship is among the same. Regardless if it's in the water or if it's in a uniform. That we are called to disciple, to go. And then here in this last part of the sentence it says teaching. And the Greek word for teaching is also an action word. That we are to teach them of jesus so that they can obey jesus now this is a very important piece of the discipleship process sometimes we really don't do this that well to be honest with you we must continue not only our search for the knowledge of jesus which is important the knowledge of jesus but the application of jesus to our lives There has to be a connection between learning and educating and actually applying that you, by your actions and your heart and the condition of your life, know Jesus. And so you take the knowledge and we always must ask ourselves, how do I follow you because of it? How am I better because of it? How can I love because of it? This is teaching and obeying. And I find that it is absolutely the most effective, this, this commission, if you will. It is most effective when you are discipling someone at the same time being discipled by someone. This is the church. There's a newcomer, and God's placed it on my heart to, you, I want to teach you about him. Scrub coffee. But then you yourself is still being discipled maybe by someone of mature faith. And there is a relationship building here from the Spirit. And so lastly here on top of this mountain as Jesus says all the authorities in me and now go disciple do these things. Matthew who's writing this out who's pinning it on paper so that way you and I can have record of it. He closes out his book. Actually, this is the last verse in his entire book. He closes out his book with this last statement from Jesus, telling them, and surely, I am with you always. To the very end of the age. Matthew ends his book the exact same way he started it. God with us. He was with us. He is with us. And he will forever be with us. Fear not, for I go before you. Friends, as we start this Series as we just see Easter in our rearview mirror now. The question is, Jesus is risen, Amen. now what? There may be some of us that are still like some of the disciples, doubting and questioning, is this real? I hear it. But is this real? Right now, if the Spirit is moving in your heart, either in this room or online, and you're ready to respond to that question, I invite you to come to the altar and allow Him to show you the truth, to give your heart and your your life to Jesus Christ, not to me, but to Him. And then there are those of us, we know He's risen. We've experienced it. I used to be like this, but now I'm like this. That doesn't make sense. How is that so? Because of Jesus. We know this. But maybe some of us, even though we know Jesus, we know the story, we believe the story, we know it's true, but yet we are still only children in the faith. That we have actually not ever been discipled. We've never actually gone any deeper than than just the story. Here's my challenge to you. Go be discipled. You're looking for a quick way? Well, we've got actually 12 discipleship groups in this church. And that's an excellent way to get plugged in and to go deeper. That's something you're interested in? Talk to my wife. Talk to Danielle. They can get you in there. Maybe you want one-on-one. Find someone who you have some trust in, a a mentor perhaps, someone where you just say, I'm ready to go deeper. It doesn't have to be me. There are men and women who are are even more mature than I am in the faith and just say, can you please show me more? Show me the next thing that God has for me. And I'm going to say now, that there are those in this room and online that God is saying, go disciple. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. I go with you. It's not your authority? It's mine. There's a person here, they need you. They need your, 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 just, your love and your faith. They need someone to ask a question to and not look silly. They need someone. Maybe God's placing that on your life. I'll even say that if God is calling you to disciple, to offer that, but you don't know who, well, tell us. We can connect some dots. We can get you someone. But this week, we're starting off by just saying, go disciple. Go disciple.